in the heart of Africa. There is a place known as the land of a thousand hills, lush and green, a land of great vibrancy, full of life, red fertile soil that supports some of the most beautiful landscapes you'll ever see. And yet, like all places in the world where we find tremendous beauty, we also find brokenness, orphaned and vulnerable children with no memory of parents, unseen by society without the assurance of a meal, the security of shelter or the dignity of work. But in the gap we find between God's beauty and our brokenness, we believe that God can build a bridge, that grace received and grace shared can turn mourning into dancing, great grief into immeasurable joy, bondage and brokenness, into hope restored and hope renewed. And so today, you are invited on a journey to Rwanda, as together we remember the central affirmation God's story is a story of grace. Well, good morning again. I want to welcome you today. My name is David. I serve as the senior pastor here at First Methodist Mansfield. And especially if you're a first-time guest, either here in the well or upstairs in the well cafe, we're glad to, to have you today. Uh, Travis, can I ask you a question? Travis is our sound guy in the back. Are we good to go? Everything's working? They've got me upstairs? So if you're brand new, one of the things you may not know here in the well is that we actually show the video from in here for the sermon upstairs in, in a, another service we call the Well Cafe. And up until about 35 seconds ago, it wasn't working. <laughs> and now it is. So thank you, Jesus, and all of our tech arts people for making that work. Uh, I'm feeling much better right now. So yes, you can... Which I'm excited about because I've been looking forward to all day long welcoming the Sons of Thunder motorcycle ministry that is upstairs in the Well Cafe today. Isn't that cool? <laughs> I am, uh, I'm going to call all my preacher friends today and tell them that my church is cooler than their church because we had... <laughs> We had a motorcycle ministry uh, here today. Good to have you uh, this morning. We have been in a series uh, for the, the previous five weeks called The Story of Grace. And if you're here for the first time, I want to tell you just a little bit about that series and what we've been talking about. We've been sharing videos and stories from our trip to Rwanda. And we went to Rwanda for the sake of reconnecting with some orphan communities that we support there in partnership with a ministry called Zoe Ministry. Uh, our gifts fund a three-year empowerment program uh, that kids walk through. We're in the third year of working with 1,000 kids, and it's actually our second group of 1,000. So if you put together everything that you have done, church, uh, in the last 10 years and working with Zoe, the investments that you've made in the country of Rwanda, these kids that you've had the chance to hear, here's what I want you to know at the end of the series. You have given over the course of the 10-year period that we've been, we've been doing this, you've given over a million dollars to support these kids in Rwanda. And I think you should celebrate that. That's pretty cool. That is amazing. We, uh, I want you to hear uh, from, from me and on behalf of all our pastors just how proud we are of the heart of faith that you have. Uh, not only the heart of faith that says, hey, we want to be a blessing to our community, but we want to bless these kids uh, on the other side of the world. We want to bless this, this country. And, and that's really what you're doing in the way that we are serving them and, and sharing our faith with them is you're transforming communities and you're transforming an entire country. And that's really amazing to see, uh, having the chance to go there and to see that firsthand. 
uh, to see that work happening. If you have your Bible, I want to encourage you to turn to Genesis chapter 1. And if you did not bring your Bible, uh, there should be a blue Bible there uh, somewhere near you uh, that was placed in the seats. Uh, we're going to be Genesis chapter 1, which is on page 3 in the Blue Bible. Uh, the, the verses we're going to look at, if you're in the vicinity of the first few pages of the Bible, you're going to be in the right place. Whatever Bible you're using, Genesis 1, 26 through 28 uh, is what we're going to look at uh, today. And what I want to do today is I want to share with you uh, a final thought as we come to the sixth message of this series and I also want to share with you some things that I just think you'll, be, you, you'll enjoy seeing, some things that I promised you uh, in the very beginning of the series that I haven't shared with you yet. The videos that you've seen probably represent 10% of the trip that we took. Uh, but in the first week, there was something that I, that I promised you I would share with you, and it was added to the list of things that I never thought I would do when I said, yes, Lord, I will be a pastor. Now, when, uh, this whole trip, like there were many things that were added to that list. I mean, first being going to Africa was not something that was on my radar when I said, hey, I want to be a pastor. Lord, I want to respond to that call. I didn't, I didn't expect to do that. I didn't expect to serve a church like this that was doing tremendous ministry like this on, on another continent. Uh, and many other things that I never thought I would do, things I never thought I would eat, you know, and going on this, on this trip. Uh, so this was, this was one of those things that I, that I promised uh, that I, that I would do. I told you last week that this was, going to Rwanda was for me 10 days camped 100 miles outside my comfort zone, and it really was. I mean, it, was a, it wasn't um, the most comfortable thing for me to do, but, but I was really excited to go and, and to represent you. It was an honor to do that. And there are moments that, that I got to be a part of while I was there that I will remember for the rest of my life. Um, because of just what those moments were like to be there with those kids. One of them in particular, we were in, in worship there, and uh, they were singing in their language, which is not English, uh, but they were singing songs that we might know. So I heard a tune, and I recognized it, the song, How Great Thou Art. You may know that song. And, and yet I heard it in a different language. And if you've never heard a song of faith, a song that you really treasure and is deeply meaningful for you in your life. That was my Papa's favorite song. And that was just one of those moments of, oh Lord, this is amazing. This is amazing to know that my faith is much bigger than myself and my culture and, and my language. And, and in that moment, I sat down in my chair and I sketched out uh, what you have heard over and over again uh, it, as we've walked through this series, this, this piece of paper says, it has often been called the land of a thousand hills, lush and green, a land of great vibrancy, full of life, red fertile soil that supports some of the most beautiful landscapes you will ever see. And yet, like all places in the world where you find tremendous beauty, we also find brokenness. Orphaned and vulnerable children who lack food to nourish their bodies, homes to provide, that part got messed up because I got water on it, I don't know what that says, and walk and something and work that supports their life. Uh, I kept this, I, I shared this with our video guy that day. I said, hey, check this out, what do you think? And he gave it back to me and, and I folded it up and I put it in my little zipper pocket so I wouldn't lose it. And then I accidentally threw it away for a couple days and couldn't find it. But I will, you know, this little piece of paper, I think I'm gonna frame this and hang this in the office just as a reminder of what that moment was like to be there, to be thinking of you and what we wanted to share with you uh, coming back and what this experience uh, was about. It was an honor to represent you. And when you go to Rwanda, that's as the pastor, that's really how the kids see you. They see you as a representative of everyone that has supported them. And what that means is when you come and, and you are there with them, when they have a gift that they want to share with Mansfield, they want to give it to the pastor. 
when they want to hear a word from Mansfield. They have shared their presentation, and now bring us a word from Mansfield. They want the pastor to share that word. When they want someone to pray for them, they want the pastor to, to pray that prayer. And I prayed for lots of kids while we were there in lots of different environments, some, some neat moments of just praying and asking God to bless them. And when you show up at, that four, at their four-acre banana plantation, that they waited all day for you to get there, and, and they have saved the largest bushel of bananas in the entire plantation because they want the pastor from Mansfield to take the unsafe and really, really sharp machete and cut down that banana, they want you to do it. You are the one that they want, they want to do it. And so let me show you first a picture of what we saw when we got there um, this is, they had already cut down all of these bananas. So it's an empty banana plantation except for this one tree that they have saved for the pasture. So I didn't know, when I showed up, I didn't know how you did this. Like, how do you get the bananas out of the tree in the right way? And it was kind of back in the back of the field where we went, and my English translator was walking kind of slow. So just notice the lack of direction that I am receiving in this video, <laughs> at least in my native tongue. Let's go ahead and show this raw and unedited footage here of chopping down. <laughs> That's a sharp yeah. machete, by the way. Here's, here comes the moment. You know, Pastor, this is your gift, they told me. It's a gift for you. Oh, God, that's a lot. No, 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 no. They put it on the ground. It's not how you do it. It's not how you do it. Didn't you watch the instructional video that you saw when you got to the banana plantation? You see how sharp that is? It's about this moment that I realized that the blade is swinging independently on, of the handle. And there we go. It's down. Yellow bananas. Oh. So we ate those together. We ate those on your behalf. That was the feast that we celebrated there at the banana plantation. Uh, Genesis 1, let me read you uh, these verses of Scripture. If you've uh, 
Uh, a regular around here, you've probably heard me talk about this before. The reason is because when I think about my life and what it means to live as a follower of Jesus, when I think about our life together and what it means, what our responsibility is in the world, I come back to this very simple truth. Verse 26, this is day six of creation. Then God said, let us make mankind, your version may say humankind or human beings, in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind, humankind, or human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number, fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. So in the very beginning of the scriptures, what we find is God bringing a world into existence, a world that God describes as good. And God fills this world with many different creatures who are going to inhabit this good world, creatures that God also describes as good. But out of that diverse creation, out of all of the creatures that God gives the gift of life, God sets aside one, uh, one group uh, for a special and holy purpose. He, he sets aside human beings, males and females, humankind, mankind, in two ways. The first way is that we, uh, it says that we are created in the image of God. So unlike all the rest of creation and everything else that fills this new world that God describes as good, human beings have been created and crafted in such a way that they bear the resemblance of their creator. There is something of the divine, of, of the DNA of God, God's heart and God's character that is reflected in the creation of human beings. And that sets us aside from the rest of creation. The second way that we are set aside because of the first way is that we are given the, the privilege and the task of being stewards or managers of the creation that God has brought into existence. So this world, this good world, this good and beautiful world that God has brought into existence and everything that fills this world Human beings are given the task and the responsibility of managing those things and managing them in such a way that what is good and beautiful about this world that God has created is preserved and maintained. So from the very beginning of the scriptures, this is our task. This is what human beings have been set aside for, to manage, to receive the good gifts from God in such a way that the blessings we receive from them are then shared with others and those who come after us. So there's been this theme, there's been this thread that's run through this entire series. It's been present in every story that you've heard from the kids in Rwanda. It's been, it was pre, it's been present in every message and it was present in every single encounter that I had with kids in, in Rwanda. And that is this, that, that kids who begin this process where they are fully dependent on grace. They have no food. Uh, many of them have no home. Many of them haven't eaten in days. That's the place where they start. And at that starting point, they are fully dependent on grace. That over the course of the journey that they take with Zoe ministry, they move to a point where they then have an opportunity to share that grace. And so what's amazing when you're there and when you hear these stories is you recognize that the, what we have shared has not only played a part in transforming the lives of these kids, which that alone, that would be worth it, right? That alone would be enough to say that these thousand kids that we have supported, we've changed their life. But what's amazing is it doesn't stop there. 
because the grace that they have received matures in their life to the point that they want to share it too. And so they take this program that they have walked through and they go to other orphaned and vulnerable children in their community and they replicate it without Zoe or any support from us. They take the resources that they have been given and they look for other needy people in their community, children or older adults who have no one to support them. Uh, you heard the story of Grace last week who adopted another orphan girl who she knew had no hope without having some sort of family connection. And so Grace, this young girl, adopted another young girl, bringing her into her family so that she could have a future just like Grace did. You saw it, oh, we see it over and over again, the way that they, they replicate the program themselves. And I want to show you one example of that. This happened on the last day that we were there. This is the very last stop. And what you're going to see first is just what this, what this place looks like. Just get a sense of the vista, how beautiful it is. This was, there was a home that was built with this view. Uh, and what you're going to see here is the only other work I did in Rwanda, moving some, some uh, mud bricks. Um, and I had no idea what we were doing at first. They had a hole right outside this new house. And in that hole is where they made the, the mud bricks that actually made the home. And so what we were doing there was filling in that hole. That's where the, all the mud came from. And what you're going to see here in just a moment is a home that was built by a group of orphans for three orphans, a child-headed household, and you'll see them in just a moment. Afisa is the oldest child in this child-headed household. She's 13 years old, and uh, you will see her two younger siblings. And this house that you see, which again looks very simple to us, uh, this, was a, this was a day of great pride and joy because they got their home. And what you're going to see in just a moment is this group of kids, this is, this is their working group that they share this new life with, they had a housewarming party for this new family. And so while we were there, they all brought from their own harvest. Again, kids who, when they started the program, didn't have food for themselves. They now were sharing it with one another and celebrating uh, with this family as they walked into their new home, the home that they had all participated in building. Last year, I was, uh, had the chance to attend an event that we brought to Mansfield called LeaderCast. Uh, LeaderCast uh, was, uh, it, it was a, uh, a video venue of a, a live event that was happening in Atlanta, and it was for business leaders. It was a secular event, but the first speaker was a guy by the name of Andy Stanley. Andy is a pastor in Atlanta, so he was preaching in a context that he, or speaking in a context he wasn't uh, used to. He was speaking to business leaders, and so what he shared in his first message is a leadership lesson that he had learned as he had worked as a pastor, sharing life with people, particularly walking through those moments when people are remembering a loved one that they have lost, preparing for a funeral. And he said, he made this observation. He said, at the end of life, we never celebrate accumulation. In other words, you're never going to go to a funeral and, and, and have a slideshow before the service that shows the cars the person had and the houses that they lived in or all, all the stuff that they'd accumulated. And we don't celebrate that at the end of life. He said, instead, what we always celebrate, regardless of someone's religious orientation or perspective, we always celebrate generosity and selflessness. And he said, the principle that he learned was this, that the value of a life is always measured by how much of it is given away. So we always measure, when it comes to the end of life, we always measure it by how much of it is given away, how well this person has received and shared what they have been given. 
So here's the final thought for this series. This is the landing point for us at the end of this six-week journey. The same idea in the language that we would understand that we've been talking about, that the most significant thing about you will be what you do with what grace has done for you. That'll be the most significant thing about your life. When it's all done, when it's all wrapped up and your loved ones gather with with someone to remember you, to think about your life and, and to measure the value of that life, the significance will be what you have done with what grace has done for you. Here's how Jesus tells the story. Matthew chapter 18, you can read this later. But the disciple Peter comes to Jesus and he asks him this question, a question that we all have wondered at some point in our life. Peter asks Jesus, how many times do I have to forgive my brother or sister who offends me? It's a good question, right? Because some people just kind of wear us out. Peter's just, you know, I want to check this out. I want to make sure. And so Jesus did what he often did with questions. He didn't really answer the question directly. Instead, he chose to tell Peter a story. And this is the story that Jesus told. It was of a king who wanted to settle all the outstanding debts in his kingdom. And so he had a servant brought before him. And the servant owed the king 10,000 bags of gold. Now, We don't know the exchange rate between our dollar and what it was back then, but let's just assume 10,000 bags of gold is is pretty high. Like, that's an enormous amount of debt. This is a debt this guy's never going to get out of. And so what the king says is, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to sell you and your wife and your children into slavery, and then I'll wipe out your debt. And the guy's like, no, that doesn't sound like a good idea. And so he pleads for mercy from the king. And amazingly enough, the king is moved with compassion. And after the man requests more time, he says, just give me more time to pay back this enormous debt. The king, because he's moved with compassion, instead says, no, instead, I think what I'm going to do is I'm just going to cancel out everything. The debt's gone. It's all taken care of. I'm going to wipe the slate clean. Now, this is a pretty good story so far, right? Like, you're thinking, this is a great king. I want to live in his kingdom. It's pretty good. He's taking care of this. He's wiped the debt free. Well, then we go to scene two. And scene two is the man who has just received mercy leaves the king. And when he leaves the king, he comes upon another man who owes him a hundred silver coins. Now, again, don't know the exchange rate, but let's just guess gold and silver, right? 10,100, a much smaller amount of debt. And what the man who has just received mercy does, instead of sharing mercy with others, is he has this other man thrown into the debtor's prison. And then the king finds out. Dum, dum, dum. Right? Like, you you got that music in your head? I mean, this is bad news. This is not going to end up well, and it doesn't. The king comes, and he finds the man who previously had received mercy, and he has him thrown into prison, and he says, this is where you're going to stay until you can pay back everything that you owe me. The most significant thing about you will be what you do with what grace has already done for you. We started with a very simple idea six weeks ago that Jesus believed grace had the power to change the world. He was convinced of it. He believed it with every fiber of his being that the grace that he was bringing into the world had the power to change the world. And outside of a clear understanding of that, nothing that Jesus did will make sense to you. Because Jesus did everything that he did because he believed that grace had the power to change the world. It's the reason that he went to Jerusalem, what we remember today. It's the reason that Jesus went to the very place that his disciples knew might cost him his life. 
It's the reason that on Thursday we will gather and we will remember Jesus taking bread and breaking the bread and Jesus taking the cup and, and offering the cup and saying to his disciples, this is my body, this is my blood, I give myself to you. We will do that because Jesus believed that grace had the power to change the world. And on Friday, we will remember an awful day, a day of suffering and pain and grief, a day when the world went black. And we will do that because Jesus believed that grace had the power to change the world. And then next weekend, we'll gather and we'll remember that power. The power that Jesus believed in, the power that guided his entire life, and the power that showed up and brought him back from the dead releasing him from the grave, resurrecting him into new life. And we will remember that the power that Jesus believed in is the same power that we believe will not only be there for us in our end, but is also the power that is present for us in the pain and the suffering and the setbacks and the dead ends that we all hit in life because Jesus believed and we believe that grace has the power to change the world. It's why the most significant thing about you at the end of your life will be what you do with what grace has already done for you. That's the gift that God has given you. That's the gift that God has placed into your life. That's the gift that you are called as a human being to manage and care for so that that which is good and beautiful from God that has been given to you will be there for someone else after you and will be experienced in the lives of those who share their life with you. Now, I'm a believer that the most significant thing that happens in any message is often not what I say, but what the Spirit says to you in the weeks, uh, uh, the days ahead as, as you think about our time together. And so I want you to think about this idea, this final thought, this landing point. I want to give you four words. If you want to write these down, I'd encourage you to do that. Four words to give you a framework to thinking about how grace is moving through your life, how it's being received, how it's being matured, and how it's being shared. Uh, first, relationships. Think about the relationships in your life, the, the people that you share life with, those people who look to you uh, as a mentor, and those people that you look to in a mentoring relationship, the family relationships that you have, the significant friendships that you have, and think about how is grace being received? How is grace being matured? How is grace being shared with these people who I'm sharing life with? The resources that you have. And we are all blessed with tremendous resources, resources that not only sustain our life, but also add value to our life that we celebrate and we appreciate, but often we forget that the resources that we have been given, whatever they might be, are not only for ourselves, but for the benefit of all. And so how well is grace being received in the area of resources? Grace being matured in that, and how well is grace being shared in the resources that you have been blessed with? Think about your giftedness. Those things that you can do that people look at you and go, how do they do that? I don't understand. Those things that God has given you and, and uniquely shaped you to do that you have been given so that you might bless others in the world. Let me give you two examples of that. This first picture uh, is a picture of Alex who leads our creative arts uh, ministry. This is what he looked like for 10 days in Rwanda with that hat and those, those headphones on, trying to keep from getting sunburned. And he put in so many hours uh, taking videos so that we could bring it back and share it with you. And over the last six weeks, he has spent 
hundreds and hundreds of hours putting together these stories to share with you what your gifts are doing in the lives of these kids. This next picture uh, is of Zach. Zach was another member of our video team. Zach is a firefighter in Grand Prairie. He may be upstairs in the Well Cafe right now. I'm not sure. Um, but Zach is a volunteer, and so as a volunteer, sometimes he goes with us to the other side of the world and takes video so that we can bring it back with you. Carter was also there with us. He was the photographer, which is why we don't have a picture of Carter to show you. But these three guys spent uh, a ton of time, left their families uh, to come and, and be with us in Rwanda to capture those moments that we could share with you and expressing thanks to you for what you have done, but also talking about grace and how grace works in your life. And haven't you been blessed by what they have shared with you, by the gifts that they have shared with you? Do you know that you have those same gifts in your life? You have those same things. And there are people who are waiting to receive that. There are people who are waiting to be blessed by that. If only you would have the courage. If only you would have the courage to use that gift in the way that God has has, has wants you to use that gift. And then your experiences, those positive things that have happened in your life as well as those negative things that have happened in your life. Those, those great moments of celebration, also those moments of sorrow, those experiences where grace has showed up, whether to celebrate with you or simply be present with you in your need. That grace has been received, but it's re been received for a purpose that, you may, that it may mature in your life and that you might share it with others. And at the end of your life, here's my guarantee, the most significant thing about you, the thing that people will talk about, the thing that people will celebrate, is what you do with what grace has done for you. And so I want to end this series by simply sharing a prayer for all of you, for those here in the chapel, for those in the, in the cafe, a prayer that God would not only bless you, but he would direct you and he would enable you to live a, a courageous life, a life where you would be the person who would share out of the abundance that God has shared with you. Let's pray. Holy and loving God, we pause today to give you thanks for life and to ask for your forgiveness, Lord, for those days when we wake up and we take that gift for granted. When we get out of bed and all we can think about is all the things that we have to do that day, rather than recognizing the gift of living another day with the people that you have blessed us with, those relationships that we treasure, with the resources that you have poured into our life, with the experiences that you have walked with us in and in the ways that you have gifted us and shaped us. God, I pray for all of us, for my brothers and sisters, that you would give us, Lord, courage. Courage to do as we have seen these kids do. To receive, to grow, to be people who learn to share. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.